Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast and the Class. Breakfast and the Class is dedicated in loving memory of Soraya Sakai, Lunishmat Sarabat Nosrat Ve'Eliyahu, sponsored by her son Alexander Sakai, and dedicated in loving memory of David Barmocha, Lunishmat, David Ben Saada, from Mrs. Sylvia Barmocha, Yigal, Ronnie, uh, Yossi, Asher, Nir, and Shiran, and the entire family. As well, uh, the breakfast and deluxe breakfast in the class today is sponsored by and in honor of uh, the brand new baby girl uh, born to Bobby and Alyssa Shamsian, who is actually here present. Dedicated in honor, Bobby, dedicating the breakfast in honor of his wife Alyssa and in celebration of the birth of their daughter, uh, Mazaltov, Mabruk, Mubarak, uh, to uh, live to tremendous. Uh, simcha, joy, happiness, and uh, long life success to their brand new baby Milka Noah. Milka Noah, two very famous names from the Torah, two of the daughters of Silofhad, right? Um, so, Hazaku Baruch, congratulations. Let's begin. We say in our Tefilot on Rosh Hashanah, Zochrenu Lechaim, Melech Chafetz Bahaim. Kotvenu b'sefer Hayim lemaancha or lemaanach Elohim Hayim. Literally translated, that means remember us for life. Zochrenu lechaim Melech, a king hafetz b'hayim who desires life. Kotvenu b'sefer Hayim. Write us in the book of life. Lemaancha lemaanach or lemaancha Elohim Hayim for your sake, O God of life. Now that word, lema'ancha, is a very interesting word. And I saw a beautiful explanation from Rabbi Baruch Sarotskin. He writes as follows. He says, imagine a guy goes on a business trip and he gets to, a very, to the distant destination, the flight that he pays for, the hotel that he's staying in, the taxis that he takes, the meals that he takes, every single one of those things is on the business expense card. Why? because he's there on business. He's there on behalf of his company and everything that he does is charged to them. He doesn't pay one cent for everything that he's uh, doing in that place. However, imagine the person at the end of their business trip decides, you know what, I love Paris, I love Italy, I love Israel, I love the place that I'm in, I wanna stay on for another week for vacation. If the guy tries to charge his second, his week vacation hotel to his business, if he tries to charge the cars and the restaurants with his wife on his vacation to the business, he's gonna get the book thrown at him. This is not for us, this is for you. You pay for you. What we're telling Borei Olam is, please HaKadosh Baruch Hu, remember us for life. You know why? Elohim Chaim. We want to live in order to be able to be agents of yours in this world, to be doing mitzvot, to be doing ma'asim tovim, to study Torah, to live life the way that you want it to be lived. If we are here on your business, then everything we do, Borei Olam, that should not come out of our merits, that should not be about what we deserve or what we've earned, but rather that should come from you. That should come from your full and gracious uh, hand. That, that, that shouldn't come from us. And therefore it's incredibly important when we think on Rosh Hashanah about living a life, that's why we spend all the time on Rosh Hashanah 
actually talking about how we want God to be the king and how we want to be part of instituting a kingdom of God uh, down here on earth. When a person does that, then all the goodness that comes to them in this life, it comes to them based on that. And I think that there's something very special as well that ties together with this idea of the Bikurim. When a person brings their first fruits to the Beit HaMikdash in the beginning of the year, like we read in this week's parasha, Kitavo, one thinks on a certain level, the bringing of this fruit, what am I saying? I'm saying here, Hashem, here's an apple. But really, what I'm trying to communicate, Borei Olam, is who gets the first thing of everything that I earn? You, Hashem. If that's the case, what's going on here? What's going on here is something very special. And I want to share something that I think is unbelievable. You know, um, I had a conversation a short while ago with someone from our community. And in this conversation, I, I pitched him a certain idea. I said, you know, it's a funny thing. We're struggling in this community and in many communities with the tuition crisis. And we're thinking about the fact that it costs so much money to send your kids to a Jewish school. And some people actually today are having families that are drastically reduced in size because they simply can't afford to send so many kids to school. So there was once a time where families would have 10, 8 to 10 kids, and now they're having between 2 and 4 kids. And I need you to understand, the difference between 8 to 10 and 4 to 2 is not over a thousand years, or not over 500 years, it's over the last 50 years. Regular non-rabbi families were having 8, 9, 7, 10 kids only 40, 30, 50 years ago, okay? Now, to see a family that has that many kids, it's very rare, okay? People can't afford it. So all different ideas are coming, are being brought to the fore about how to solve this problem. In fact, there's an organization called SEFA, which stands for Sephardic Education for All, in the community that's trying its best to try and make a dent in this. Some people say it will work, some people say it won't work. Everyone should sign up, give it a try. If everyone can, it will be a good solution. But one of the ideas I spoke to someone about was I said to him, you know, imagine instead of giving 10% of your money to charity, which many people in the community are happy to do. I said, imagine if instead of giving 10%, when you made a deal, you got a building, you took a quarter of a percent, a half of a percent, a tenth of a percent, uh, of the profits of that building and you dedicated it to a yeshiva. You brought God into the business deal. Not only is there the dividends of the money that you give when that comes to fruition, but the money that rolls in every month, every year from that deal. If you eventually sell, God has. The tzedakah has a stake in that deal and you'd find the profits that these tzedakot were making would be immense. And I'm not referring here to an endowment, which many tzedakot try but fail, because they don't have enough money to be able to generate the profit schemes that they want to have. I'm talking about people donating a tiny percent of a deal, a tiny percent of their store, a tiny percent of their business to tzedakah. And therefore, why would someone do that? Because of this exact mitzvah. When you give your first fruit to God, you're saying, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're the first partner who gets first payout in a deal? When you sell a real estate, when profit comes in, who gets first payout? You're saying the broker. But I think as well, along with the broker, there's also an idea if I control who gets first. 
Sometimes I might decide not to give it to the broker, not even to give it to myself. I give it to the most important person in this deal. You know why? Because if this, my investor, doesn't get his money out first, then he's never investing with me again. It might be that the broker is the most important person in the deal. You know why? Because otherwise the broker is not going to bring me good deals. But if I have an interest in deciding who's getting first, first crack at the profits, it's the stakeholder that I want to keep the happiest. Who's the biggest stakeholder in our success? Borei Olam. So we come to God and we say, God, you're getting first payout. His first fruit. When we say that, what we're really saying is, this field that I own, who's the most important partner in this field? Borei Olam. God, you take care of my land. You make sure that it rains on time, that there isn't floods. You make sure that the price of apples doesn't drop. You make, you take care. You know why? You're a partner in the deal. If we could do something like that, then maybe we would solve the reliance of the tzedakot on people again and again and again and again and again uh, to come and knock on the doors. My friends, this idea is also zochrenu lechayim. We say to Hashem, please remember us for life. We, you know why? Because I'm dedicating you to you, God. I'm promising you now, God, that if you give me another year, I'm giving you, I'm making you a partner in my time, in my effort, in what I do and how I act. My father used to love telling the story and I love sharing it. There's a fellow that comes and brings as a present to someone a box of 24 Ferrero Rocher, those beautifully wrapped uh, chocolates in gold. Gold wraps like is a luxury item. Anyway, he brings it to the person's house on a Shabbat. The guy says, oh my gosh, these are my favorite chocolates, thank you. Opens the box, he takes out one he eats. The guy who brought it, he says, he's getting hungry now. He sees the guy eating chocolate. He says, do you mind if I have one? The guy says, what do you mean? These are mine now, you gave them to me. You can't have one. What kind of horrible person is that? How would you look at a guy like that? We are exactly the same. Borei Olam gives us a box with 24 hours in it. And he says, could I have one? Could you come to Shaharit, Mincha Arbit? Could you learn a little, five minutes of Torah? I'm busy, Rabbi. I'm busy, Hashem. Hashem says, oh, you're busy? Okay. Now I know if I have extra days flying around, who to give them to. Zochrenu lechaim, remind, please, remember us for life. Lema'ancha, I promise you, Borei Olam, this year, it's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to do it differently. You know, once uh, there was a man who came to the Chafetz Chaim, knocks on the door, he opens the door, he asks for who's in the room at the same time? His son, his grandson is in the room. The guy asks for he sees his grandson, he says, oh, what are you here for? The grandson says, oh, he came to learn with him, he sits down. Anyway, they're sitting there learning. The grandson looks at the guy, looks at the Chafetz Chaim, he says, Grandpa, he says, how old are you now? And the Chafetz Chaim doesn't answer. He doesn't tell his grandson how old he is. Instead, he reaches in his pocket, he pulls out some bills from his pocket, puts it in an envelope, seals the envelope, and he says to his grandson, here, I'm giving you a gift. The kid says, thank you, Grandpa. That's so nice, you don't have to do that. He takes the, the envelope with the money, he puts it in his pocket. The Chafetz Chaim says to his grandson, he says, aren't you going to count how much money I gave you? He says, Grandpa, no, it's not polite. You gave me the gift. 
I put it in my pocket. It's not important to me how much money is in the envelope. It's nice. It's just, I'm, I'm just grateful that you gave me something. It's more important to me because it came as a gift from you. Chafetz Chaim smiles at his grandson. And he says, if a person understood that every second of life is a gift from God, they would not be thinking about how old they are. It wouldn't matter how many years they've been given. They would just say thank you to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for that gift. We sometimes lose focus over the fact that every breath and every day is a gift from God. And if that is the case, don't we want to cut God in on the gift that He gave? Someone brings you a bottle of wine Friday night, you open it up, you pour everyone a cup except for Him? Can't do that. Zochrenu lechaim. You know what the condition is? I'm going to ask everyone to think just for this day a little bit of homework. Think in yourself, in your own mind. I'm coming to Rosh Hashanah. This Teshuvah, that's about things that you did wrong. Great. Think about the things you did wrong and fix them. But I'm asking here for a different thought. I'm asking everyone to think this year that if you thought of God as your partner in your life, if you thought of the days of your life as a gift from Hashem, and Hashem was asking you, how would you cut God in on the time that you have here on earth? Is there anything more precious than life itself? There was once a great Rebbe, and they asked him, how come we have a minhag to give a chatan? We don't necessarily have this minhag anymore. How come we have a minhag to give a chatan a gold watch? Today, we give them maybe not gold, but the watches we buy sometimes are more expensive than a gold watch. Right? How can the minhag is to give a chatan a gold watch or a very expensive watch? The rabbi smiled and he says, because as he builds his life together, as he starts his marriage, as he gives birth to children, he should remember that every second of life is gold. The greatest gift that we have is time. You can't buy time. The most wealthy person on earth, sitting in his bed in the hospital, he could pay whatever he wants. They can't give him more life. They, he can't buy more time. The most precious thing, therefore, the Khatan looks is time. So now you're at work. This is the most precious thing you have. Who are you spending it on? What are you spending it on? You're spending that extra hour that you have at work? Make, maybe, maybe sometimes spend it at home with the family. You, sp you gave your wife five minutes? Maybe give her another five. You spent a few minutes learning Torah? Maybe spend a couple more minutes. Time is your most precious resource. Your most precious and your most important stakeholder is the one that's investing that resource with you. Don't you want to keep your primary investor happy? Think to yourself, how much more? What can I put on the table for God to make a compelling case for Him to give me more time. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. Rabbi Chananya ben